Hi, I'm Jennifer Zollett. And I'm Larkin Bell. Welcome to our podcast, A Brighter Lens. At the beginning of quarantine, we chatted with Jesse Barr. Jesse is a filmmaker and 2020 Sundance fellow based in Los Angeles. She is an actor, writer, director, and producer with a background in independent film, digital storytelling, and theater. She makes her feature film directorial debut with Sophie Jones from executive producer Nicole Holof Center. Sophie Jones will have its world premiere in competition at the 2020 Deauville American Film Festival in France today, September 10th. Jessie is one of the seven first-time directors screening in competition. Additionally, eight of the 15 films in competition are directed by women. Stay tuned for upcoming festival announcements about Sophie Jones that will include virtual offerings. And in the meantime, enjoy our conversation with Jessie. Uh, my name is Jesse Barr, and I'm a filmmaker. And I started um, in theater, and was an actor, and was writing, and started to create my own work, and um, then just fell in love with independent film. And, and yeah, and Sophie Jones is um, my first feature film. I I directed it, I co-wrote it, I produced it. You know, set design, all the cooking, all the th- <laughs> I have all the things, <laughs> as everyone else did on this film. You know, a true a true collaboration. It really was just all hands on deck, everyone sort of giving their full self. Um, And yeah, I guess it's been now over two and a half years that I've been. We shot it in 2018 in Portland, Oregon, and we were going to premiere at PIF, the Portland International Film Festival, on March 13th. And so I was going to fly there on the 11th and sort of like slow motion nightmare. The festival had already started, so we were sort of watching what was happening and deciding should we go, should we not go? And, um, but ultimately the festival ended up being canceled. So our premiere was canceled. Wow. Bummer. Yeah. yeah. It was, it's such a weird, it was absolutely devastating. I mean, don't want to like minimize that, but I think it's sort of wild. I mean, initially I was, you know, crying in my bathtub, like spiraling on the phone to my brother being like, why, you know, I think, and part of that I think stems from especially when you make something that is truly independent and against all the odds, you know, and, and then there's this fear that the film and the story and your art and all the work of all these people who really deeply cared about this story and about making this and about bringing it to life, the fear that that might be lost is just really what was really devastating and not being able to share it. You know, that moment where I felt like the film has, it needs an audience to feel alive again for some reason. I don't know, that sort of exchange, that energetic exchange. So that feeling of like almost getting that place and then having it be ripped away was, was really difficult. But I've, I've talked to some people about this before and my sister's a doctor and she works in a hospital. So it also like, you know, very quickly everything becomes clear and the perspective is clear that this was absolutely the right thing to do. And, you know, there are larger things at work and, um, yeah, just, you know, the priorities become really clear about what's, what's important. And, 
And strangely, there have been a lot of really like heartening things that have come out of this in terms of the filmmaking community and actually some amazing opportunities for the film, which is kind of crazy. Wow, that's awesome. Um, that there are opportunities coming from it, not that it was a horrible experience before that. So I just <laughs> I, want to make that clear. I'm picking up what you're laying down. Okay, yeah. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, just what you're saying, we both come from a theater background as well. And that Yay. idea of, yeah, like when you put on a play, the audience is like the last character, right? Mm. They're they're there that and they complete the story. And for so long, I kind of thought that was different from film and theater. And the more I've delved into film and filmmaking, I think that's still such a part of it. The audience sharing in that experience. So I'm bummed that you didn't get that same premiere experience. But um, we read that Sophie Jones is a pretty personal story for you. So we were curious to hear what inspired you to, to write the story and then yeah, complete the feat of, of bringing it to uh, completion. It's been such a crazy ride with this. Um, I lost my father when I was 16 to cancer and he was sick for a lot of my life. Um, and I didn't ever talk about it. And I didn't, um, I don't think I was ready. I don't think I could like um, touch it mentally. Cause I think I might've, I don't know. I don't know what would have happened, but for some reason there was this protective mechanism for me and my coping with that trauma was just to throw myself into work and creating and, and um, I guess it was around 16 years after he had died and I had, I realized I was like alive with him the same amount of time I had been alive without him. And it was, and I believe in synchronicity and all of that, even though I know it sounds like, you know, like woo woo LA bitch or whatever, but like, whatever, I'm really into crystals now. I don't fucking <laughs> care. But like at that exact moment, I started writing a script which was about a girl who's dealing with a loss. And then after I started writing that, my cousin, who is 10 years younger than me, has the same name. We're both named Jessica Barr after our great grandmother. She sent me a script and she was like, Jesse, I have this script. It's a feature. I would love your thoughts. And, and I was like, what? Like, you wrote a feature? Like, all right, sure, I'll read it. And I read it and I just, I'm getting chills even now, just like, and I just knew I had, I just knew I had to, to make this film. I had, it, it was like, there was no question. I didn't, you know, no money, never made a feature, didn't know how it was going to happen, didn't have a team, but I just knew I had to make this film. And we started collaborating on the script together. She had written it and it was really evocative and really raw. And um, we, yeah, I started just giving her notes and working on the script with her and, shaping it and, and just honestly nonstop from the moment I first got it. And then at that same time, I was reaching out to people and thinking about raising money. And the first time I like put a flight to Portland on my credit card and like just went to like scout, I just fell in love with the place. And once I started to like smell the smells and see the light and, and it felt real, even we had no money, we had no team, like it was not real at all. But in my mind, I was like, this day is real. Like this is happening. Like, and it just, I, there was, it just sort of felt like there was no stopping it. And people called me insane and you know, all the things, but and this is going to sound cheesy, but I really do believe, like, I felt my dad. I felt my dad. I felt her mother. So I skipped this important part of the story. 
Jess and I have a, a shared synchronicity of not only our names, but we both lost a parent at the exact same age. She was 16 when her mother passed from cancer and I was 16 when my dad passed. So although we dealt with the loss in very different ways, there's also so much shared experience. And I mean, it was kind of amazing. I never really talked about my dad. I didn't share that time. I didn't share those experiences. But then working on this film is when I started to talk about it. And really, I have to thank her because although I'd started to sort of come out of that on my own initially, because she was so open about sharing her experience, it really inspired me to do the same. And it just totally like transformed my life. So <laughs> to be real subtle about it. Um, yeah. So it's, it's kind of nuts, you know, and she, she, you know, co-wrote the film. She stars in the film. It's her first film that, she, I mean, she was taking acting in Portland and, but it's her first, you know, real role on film and she's just incredible. Can you tell us about a favorite memory from creating the film or a moment, you know, either on set or just in the process of creating this? Yes. I'm going to, can I say two? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they're quite, sort of like, um, so the first I remember is uh, Skylar Verite, who plays Kevin, one of the leads in the film. We were like, for some weird reason, a lot of the cast happened to be in LA, like a week, a couple weeks before shooting. And so I just like had them at my house and was shooting them on my 5D and we were rehearsing and like working through things. And I took them all to this like terrible Mexican restaurant. And then we all were talking and he was like, oh, by the way, like, you know, I play music and like I sing. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, okay, that's amazing. So I went back and was like, okay, how can I find a way to integrate this in the script in a way that feels organic? And, and I didn't, I hadn't heard his music. Like, I didn't know if he was good. I didn't know like what, like, what does it mean that like I play music? Like I had no fucking clue. Um, but I wrote it into a montage, sort of the, the moments where Sophie, the lead character played by Jess, my cousin, and Skylar played um, her sort of main love interest, Kevin, when they're sort of falling in love, when they're sort of like um, connecting. And we had this time and I, we had the camera on and, and he had his guitar and I was like, okay, so Skylar, you know, if you can just, or Kevin, teach her, teach Sophie to play the guitar, like just let, let that be a moment. And then he started to teach her and then he started to sing and I just like, like weeping, like, like it was like, you know, when you feel just like magic is real. I just like, and of course now I'm building up this moment. People are going to see it and be like, whatever, it was fine. But like everyone just was crying because it was so pure. Like the Skylar has this boyishness and this innocence about him that like before you become sort of an asshole, you know, as a guy or you're like trained or indoctrinated into that, like he has a sweetness and like his voice was so pure. The song was beautiful. And the other thing that made it magical was, was Jess had no idea. Like she'd never heard him sing either. So the surprise that Jess is experiencing as Sophie is a real alive moment of revelation. And she really did like fall in love with him and in that moment. And we all did. And so that was just sort of like movie magic, I felt like. And we just happened to be there to like capture it. And I hopefully facilitated an environment where they felt safe to like really go there and share that. And he's just a star. I mean. Um, so that was one moment. And then the other moment, again, linked with music, funny enough, is Nate Heller, my composer, who I'm just like still blown away that he even was wanting to work with me on this. He had his niece come and like sing 
on one of the, la the last sort of um, piece of music in the film. And I originally thought he would just, you know, create something very atmospheric and, and it would just be musical, but I didn't even think about there being lyrics. It's like, where is he gonna get someone that does that? And his niece is just like also a genius and like that whole family is nuts. They're so talented. Um, but he played, I went to his house and we sat in a studio and he like played me the clip. And it just was like, again, I just felt overwhelmed because it felt like something totally new and it was like exactly what I had dreamed of, but also so much more than I had ever dreamed. And there was like a whimsy and a tenderness, but it wasn't like saccharine at all. And it was just, it was just like perfect. And I just was floored. I was just floored, like sitting in his studio, like crying with him. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's like someone sees something that you haven't even articulated and they just like present it to you. I don't know. It's just, I'll never forget. I'll never forget that moment. How did you meet Nicole Hall Center? Yeah, that's like the weirdest story in the world. Um, <laughs> it's like, um, I sound like a psycho. Uh, so my husband and I, this brief context, my husband and I made a, a series that played at Tribeca in 2016 as part of their new online work called Om City. And so we were Tribeca alums. And when you're Tribeca alum, you know, you get these like newsletter blasts or whatever about sometimes events that they do. And we had moved to LA and I got like one of those just general alumni newsletter things where like, Nicole's gonna be speaking at this hotel in like, um, where is it? On Sunset, like, um, and Connie Britton's gonna be, you know, moderating. And I was like, uh, Nicole Center is just like, an idol and just one of the most incredible <laughs> filmmakers ever. And like Connie Britton, like, like iconic, like wine, you know, Friday Night Lights. I mean, she's done so much more. Obviously her work is far deeper than that, but just, you know, we'll never forget the performance. And so I was like, to my husband, I was like, we have to go, let's like RSVP. I brought one of my friends and it was a really intimate chat. Like there weren't a ton of people. There was like food and, and we just sat and listened to them talk. And Nicole was just like really funny and like curt and honest and dry and, so smart. And then afterwards I had a rough cut of the movie and afterwards I went up to her, which I never, I don't usually do that. You know, I'm usually like, ah, oh, that's so annoying of people to like, you know, don't be that person. Like I usually like, judged those people in my mind, but I don't know. I just felt really bold and I don't know, this movie's made me really, really bold. So I was like, <laughs> I went up to her after. Also there weren't a lot of people. So, and I just did it in like a not weird way. I thought, but, um, <laughs> but you know, I like, my phone was like broken and like looked so bad. And, and I was like, you know, I really love your work. And, um, you know, I have this rough cut of my first feature. I, I, I would love if I could send it to you. And she said something like, I don't know, like, well, I can't give my email to everybody. And I was like, well, but you can give it to me. And I like gave her my broken ass phone. And like, she typed her email address in it. And I was like, and this was when she was, I think being, um, I think she was nominated for uh, Oscar for the, um, can you forgive me? So also I was like, oh, she is so busy. Like, she's never gonna, like, this is never gonna, she's not gonna answer this. She's not gonna, but I just wrote her an email and just sent her the rough cut and, and she watched it and, and just had, was very lovely and had some really kind things to say about it and was very honest. And yeah, so that's sort of how we first met. And then she's sort of become a, a mentor and, and, um, yeah, ended up becoming the EP, and um, so I'm, you know, forever grateful to her, and just really inspired by her, and um, yeah, that's wow. awesome. That's a great story. Yeah.
Lastly, we're curious, what is keeping you sane creatively during quarantine? Definitely a lot of writing. Um, at first, I was having trouble reading because I couldn't focus. I don't know if anyone else. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, it was weird. Like Instagram, totally fine. Looking at TikToks for hours, totally can do it all day long. But something about reading I was really struggling with. Um, but now reading, especially poetry, I'm finding that to be very um, uplifting and, and just writing a lot. I'm reading a lot of like fantasy fantasy books. I'm working on this like fantasy pilot. And so that's been really fun. A lot of like Octavia Butler, also reading a lot of Ann Carson. Um, so yeah, I think just art, honestly, looking at photography books like Todd Heido and, you know, like those things are keeping me um, sane, I guess, when everything else feels really out of control. Uh, well, we end every interview with our three, two, one action lightning round. So you can Ooh. answer like a word or a phrase. Yeah. Love that. Cool. Uh, three, what's your favorite or most influential film? Oh my God. This is like impossible. <laughs> it's the one that like comes to your mind. Right I know. Now. Like, yeah, right. Ugh. This is so silly. Um, or like one you've recently watched during quarantine that inspired you. I mean, it's sort of like, okay, just watched Center Stage. It was the 20th anniversary. Classic. I No apologies, honestly. It, it's gold. It's gold. Um, and I did a Netflix watch party with my best friend. So that is one. And then also um, Tony Erdman. I, before I die, I just have to make a poem like that. Like, it's just, I will butcher her name, Marin, M-A-R-N, Ades, E-D. Anyway, um, but Tony Erdman, the film is just, I mean, incredible and those two things have given me life I think two dream person you want to work with so many like every person you've had on your podcast but like for sure I mean Alma Harrell like yeah she just I just want to fucking do weird shit with her and real bad <laughs> and film it that sounded weird I didn't mean it like in that way like but like whatever also totally that but like you know what I mean like just making art I just am very inspired by and her her integrity and her generosity of spirit I think is um really wonderful so yeah uh one best advice you've ever received I think just like the keep to keep going um I was very lucky and Nicole Hall of Center, who's the EP on, on my film, I would like let her know all the rejections and stuff. And she was like, it's okay, just keep, keep. like, doesn't mean you're not gonna be able to do this for your life, like just keep going. And I think when someone says that, I don't know, especially someone like her, I just, it makes, it helps you believe in yourself more. And, and I also think I realized by making this film, Sometimes you don't even know what you're capable of. And sometimes other people don't, you know? And so they don't know what you can do. And that, that's fine. So if you're, but if you're looking for that reflection back from them, like you can do this, like most likely you will not get it. And that's, that's fine, but that doesn't mean it's not possible. And I think that's also really powerful. It's like, Sometimes you don't even know what you're capable of. And I do think like you're capable of so much more than you like can even imagine. And don't worry if other people don't see it. I think, I think that's okay. Love that. Love that pep talk. Needed it. <laughs> Here for the pep talk. <laughs> Literally forever, forever, you know, whenever. 
and action, where can people follow you on social media? Yeah. So my website is jessiebar.com, super ridge, um, on all. And, uh, <laughs> my, well, my Instagram is bar Jesse, my last name and my first name. So like, that's, you know, the other one wasn't that's available. Different. Yeah. It was just because the other one wasn't available because <laughs> I'm creative in anyway. Um, B-A-R-R. Uh, so yeah, that's stuff. I'm just the lurker on TikTok, so I've not ventured into that space. <laughs> um, but yeah, Twitter, Instagram, Bardressy, my website, if, if you're down. Awesome. Thanks so much for chatting with us, Jesse. Thank you both so much. This is such a pleasure. And thank you for what you're doing. I really, it's really inspiring and I really appreciate it. Really oh, awesome. Thanks, thanks Jesse. Thank you both. All right. Have a good day. Right. Bye. 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 You can find us at abrighterlens.com and at abrighterlens on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us at abrighterlens at gmail.com. You can download the show wherever you listen to podcasts and on Apple Podcasts where we'd love it if you left us a review. Our theme song was composed by Jesse Nelson. Our logos were designed by Meg Cafferty. Our associate producer is Elise Welch. A Brighter Lens was created by Jennifer Zollett and Larkin Bell. 